the blast from our past network. What's your name, kid? The Human Spider. The Human Spider, that's it? That's the best you got? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. The sum of $3,000 will be paid to the terrifying, the deadly, the amazing Spider-Man! My name's the Human Spider. I don't care. Get out there. No, he got my name wrong. Get you out tell there, me. you moron. Bonesaw's gonna eat you up and spit you out, little man. I hope you brought your mommy with We're you. We're gonna break you someone to go crying. Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me as usual is co-host Dean. Dean, what is up? What's up, Tim? I'm your friendly neighborhood Dean. Yeah, you are. You're the friendly neighborhood Dean. Yep. Yep, you are. Yep. Anything else? That's it. Okay. That's it. I'm just a nice guy that's everybody's friend. Guess what, Dean? What, Tim? I had a great idea. What was that? It's this. Oh, I know. It is a great idea. It's what we're doing right now. It is a great idea. I can't believe that it took a hundred and some episodes to figure this one out. But I finally got there. It's it's kind of the best idea you've ever had. It might be. And you've had a lot of good ones. I'm pretty proud of it. We like it. We think it's going to be a lot of fun. Hey, listeners, guess what we're doing? We're a podcast that talks about movies, comics, video games, and more. And we thought it would be super fun to combine them all into a single episode. So that's what we're doing. Amazing. We are going to talk about a movie. We're going to talk about a comic. We're going to talk about a video game. And we're going to talk about more. A more. A more. And our genre of choice, this was tough, but we thought we'd start off with Spider-Man. So we're going to talk about all those things relating to your friendly neighborhood web slinger. Yeah, and we've talked about it, Tim, already because we've done an episode on a Spider-Man comic. Um, I am a big, big fan of Spider-Man. I know you are too. You're wearing a Spider-Man shirt right now. So that tells me you are a Spider-Man fan. Um, but that, I love the Spider-Man. I love the Spider-Man too. I, I love him a lot. When I was growing up, I didn't read comics. We've talked about this before. I didn't read comics. So I got all of my superhero love from movies and from TV. So for me, it was Spider-Man and Batman. Those are my two dudes because those are the two superheroes that had the the most television shows and the most movies so those are the ones i connected with spider-man huge guy for me love spider-man so here is what we're doing we are going to talk about the sam raimi spider-man number one yes for our movie for our comic we are gonna go way back to what if number one Yes. Which is what if Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four? For our video game, we're going to go back to a much beloved game that I own and that you played, 
It is Spider-Man versus the Kingpin for the Sega Genesis. And for our more, we are going to cover a episode of the Spider-Man cartoon from the mid-90s. And we're doing an episode called The Insidious Six. So really, we should really hurry up here. We should get to it, Tim. The listeners have places to be. And uh, we don't want to keep you. We don't want to keep you listeners from doing the stuff you have to do. It's a lot of stuff, Tim. It's a, you mentioned the comic, and I was like, man, I want to talk about that right now. But yeah. I know we have something first. We I want to talk a great about movie all first. of them. Yeah, so let's get to it. Everything's going to be so much fun. But let's get right to it. Let's get to Spider-Man number one. This movie was released in 2002 with a budget of $139 million. Wow. wow. And it grosses $825 million. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Jeez. Holy smokes. That's all of it. They grossed all of it. Was that the number one movie at that time? No, it wasn't even the number one movie. Oh, Titanic. Yeah, I don't even yeah. think it was the number one movie that year. Right. No, it had to be. I don't th- I don't know. I don't know, dude. Wow, that's so much money. I know, it's a lot. It would become the first film to gross $100 million in a single weekend. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Now, uh, we mentioned directed by Sam Raimi. I'm really impressed with this guy and his comic book movies. Uh, yeah, we talked about it in Darkman, even though that wasn't a comic book. He wanted to do a comic book movie, and he did such a great job of making that feel like a comic book. Now we get to see him do a comic book movie, and my goodness, this this dude just, he smashes it. He smashes it. Like, this is now what comic book movies have to be. Like, yeah. I feel like after this point, it's like, we have to either do Spider-Man or not do Spider-Man. Like, that's what our mentality is. If we're making a comic book movie, we have to make it like Spider-Man, or we have to make a a point to make it not like Spider-Man. You know, it's like, right. that's now the metric that we measure things by. There is no try. There is no try. There's only do Spider-Man. Or do, not. No, do or do not. Now, music by Danny Elfman. I really enjoyed his take in this movie because it doesn't really feel like Danny Elfman. It wasn't his over the top. Here I am. I'm Danny Elfman. You're going to know in three seconds that it's Danny Elfman. It was really subdued and like I, I liked it a lot. He, he, he toned it down a little bit. Yeah, it hits you at uh, sort of the right times where you notice it's Elfman, where you're like, oh yeah, this kind of feels like Batman. And then all of a sudden it sounds like Batman. And I, I really appreciated that from Elfman in this movie. Cinematography by Don Burgess. We love this guy from Contact. And my goodness, was the cinematography in this movie gorgeous. This movie looks amazing, man. It looks amazing. I so love good. it. Such a such a good uh like he just had such a good aesthetic for how yeah. you should film Spider-Man, a superhero who moves like Spider-Man and like where the camera should be placed to get the maximum effect for what he's doing. It was really impressive. Totally. Yeah, and something that might be a little bit different around this time because nobody's really done something yeah, like this before. And how Spider-Man moves. You yeah. know, he doesn't really move like we move. So you have to think about what those shots should look like and how to make them look good. Mm-hmm. Now, after a couple of horrible Spider-Man movie releases in 1977 and 1978, Marvel was in negotiations in the early 80s to bring Spider-Man to the big screen the right way. The rights to Spider-Man were purchased by Canon, and for the first iteration of the script, saw Peter Parker becoming the subject of a mad scientist's experiment, causing him to transform into a human tarantula. Stanley hated this horror route and demanded a rewrite. 
by 85, a new script was in the works and the film is budgeted between 15 and $20 million. However, after Canon produced Superman four and masters of the universe, and they completely bomb Spider-Man's budget is decreased to $7 million. Hmm. Shortly after Canon is acquired by another company and project Spider-Man is canceled. In 89, the project again gains traction, this time with a $50 million budget and James Cameron attached to write and direct. Cameron had a much darker take on the script, which featured heavy profanity and a sex scene on top of the Brooklyn Bridge between Peter and MJ. Hell yeah. Attaboy, Jimmy. Let's go. Let's Attaboy. see that. You know, Let's I get, feel like... Give us that one. Yeah, you know what? Jimmy has a pretty good sex scene in, in Terminator, so yeah, oh, yeah. hell yeah, I want to see he that. He knows how to do it. <laughs> yeah. Production would stall, though, because of a lawsuit involving the original owner of the Spider-Man rights, and Cameron would decide to move on to film Titanic instead. So I guess, yeah. Yeah, but 89, all that shit happening is perfect. That's when Batman comes out, right? So like Batman just crushes. So it's like, oh yeah, let's dust off these superhero specs. Let's get back out there. Let's see what we got. We got a Spider-Man one. Let's give it way more budget and see what we can do. Yeah, good point. In 1996, Marvel would file for bankruptcy, and in 1998, they sell the Superman rights to Sony Pictures for $7 million. Spider-Man. What did I say? Superman. You do that. You do that. You do that from time to time. I interpose those two sometimes. In 1998, they sell the Spider-Man rights to Sony for $7 million. In 2000, Raimi is attached as director... And they'd proceed forward using the Cameron material, which included a 45-page script, which would be rewritten two times and polished up a third. The movie is a huge success, ends up getting nominated for Best Visual Effects and Best Sound at the Academy Awards. Cool. Effects hold up, man. Mm. You don't think so. Mm. What do you think falls flat? Well, possibly my internet connection. Okay. <laughs> I streamed it and I wasn't too impressed. Okay, because... But I wasn't like, getting it in tr- like true HD. Okay, because uh, for a 2000 film or, or whatever it is, is it 2000? You know, 2001. 2001, yeah. It, I, for me, I thought it really held up. I thought it really looked good. There was only a few instances where 2002, I... 2002, sorry. 2002, okay, yeah. There's only a few instances where I thought like it, maybe I could tell that it was cartoony and I didn't like it, but like it, it, when it came to action scenes, they really held up for me. Okay. Then this is the litmus test to figure out if it was my internet connection or not. Yeah. I started to think about a movie we recently covered matrix reloaded, Same. which came out Well, I was thinking more about the matrix that came out in like 99, I believe. Um, those effects, those fight scenes hold up so well nowadays that's kind of what I put it up against. So Spider-Man coming out a few years later, I didn't think they held up nearly as good as the Matrix did. So what would you say to that? And if you think they did, then perhaps it was just my poor connection. Yeah, I was thinking Reloaded a lot. And I was thinking, oh, they must be using the technology that they were using in Reloaded. And then I was like, oh, no, wait, this came out before it. So I think I think they hold up for that reason. I think okay. because it came out before, I was I was definitely... Um, comparing it to Reloaded and thought it was on par with that. Wow. So I thought it, I think they hold up. 
Okay, th- th- that's the problem then, is yeah. I watched Reloaded in 4K, Yeah. and I streamed this, and you know when your signal never really goes all the way through? Yeah. They're just like, well, you're fine you're watching fine. it like this. It's just it's okay. Spider-Man from 2002. Yeah, you like retro stuff, right? How about, I, <laughs> how about we make this look like it's a 70s VHS for you? <laughs> So, okay, great. I'm, gr- I'm very glad to hear that because I was, uh, that was my beef with, with the effects and I'm glad to hear that that's not, not a problem. Yeah. So. Like I think it's well known that Spider-Man two is like one of the best looking movies out there. So yeah. it's not quite at that level, but I think it's, it definitely shows the steps of how we got there. Like, I think it's very close to that. Yeah. Nice. So, um, obviously since we're covering so much content, we're not going to do a traditional full movie walkthrough here. Uh, we'll just kind of hit on some, uh, some of the important beats of the movie and, uh, talk about some stuff that we liked. Um, what caught me right off the bat, Dean, was we get to see the very first example of the animated Marvel intro. This is the first movie to have that. Totally. I didn't even really think of that. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. It's changed a lot through the years, but man, it was just really cool to see. Yeah. I like this. I like this Marvel intro. I like when they go to... Uh, comic pages flipping. I love the comic I like, pages. I think that's probably my favorite one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's really cool to see the the Marvel intro. I didn't even really think about that, that this is the one of the first times we're going to see this on screen. Yeah, just one of those intros that as soon as it happens, I get goosebumps because I know I'm in for a ride over the next couple hours. Hell yeah. It's great. And uh, this movie starts off with the Spider-Man origin story, and I'm totally fine with it. Whoa. Because this was like the first one. Right. Right. Yeah. We've so, seen it now like what, 25 times, but like the first one was good. Yeah, too many times. <laughs> After this one, they needed to stop with all that origin story bullshit. Yeah. You barely need it in this one, but I understand putting it in there. Okay. Um, now I was looking forward. Now I was looking forward to watching this again because I remember not really being a fan of Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Mm. So... I just keep hearing people say, you know, he's the best one, even after seeing Tom Holland. And I'm like, whoa, that's interesting. Cause I, I like Tom Holland, didn't really like Tobey Maguire. So I was interested to see what my take would be. What's your conclusion? I will save that for the end. Oh, cool. Of the movie part. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, I appreciate how quick the movie gets going and, yeah. and ramps up. Yeah, they, it's great. They, they give us all the characters and a pretty good idea about like who they are and what makes them tick. Um, Peter gets bit by the spider and Norman gets turned into the goblin all within the first 15 minutes. Yeah. And I like that it's happening at the same time. So Peter's doing his like turning into his hero at the same time as Norman's turning into his villain. I think it's very for a movie that's setting up these two characters um, and like an origin story that, like you said, hasn't really happened before this. Like we've got Batman, we've got Superman, we've got that sort of thing, but we haven't done it with Spider-Man. And I really love the pacing of this at the beginning um, with our hero, with our villain and yeah, meeting all of our characters. Now being a big Spider-Man fan, um, love Kirsten Dunst. Absolutely love mm-hmm. her. Um, she's not really MJ. Like, I think we have a Gwen Stacy here and we've just put MJ on her. Like, she's not really what MJ is for me from like reading the comics. And yeah, that's true. 
I don't even know if she's a Gwen Stacy. Yeah, I know. It's like, it's just, she's somewhere in between. And I'm like, I'm totally fine with it because I love this movie and I absolutely love her in it. So I love her being, I love her character and I love her being the love interest. Um, but it's just not quite MJ for me. That's why I, it's just, it. yeah, I, I don't quite connect with that as being MJ. Whereas like newer movies like Zendaya is a great MJ because it's a take on what MJ could be. Yeah. I actually completely agree with that. I think that was a beef of a beef of mine at the time. Watching it now, I still agree. I do think she nails the look, though. Yeah, I think she one hundred percent looks like MJ would look for sure. But yeah, MJ has more confidence than she has, and I I like the character who isn't totally confident in themselves. That's why I really like MJ in this movie. But MJ has a ton of confidence in the in the comics. So. Yeah. She did have a lot of, well, not a lot, but there there were some other character traits that I just didn't like of this character. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, how how quick she's just kind of like bouncing around from boyfriend to boyfriend in this movie. Right, yeah. That, uh, I don't know. I don't know how much that screams MJ for me. But Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, that also just sort of leans into the confidence thing, right? Like it's, yeah. if she's, if she doesn't feel like good about herself, then she will just go to like whoever's giving her the most attention at that time. Yeah. Um, the movie, like up to this point, it's reminding me a lot of Superman 78 as well. Um, in the way that they reveal the characters, uh, powers to the character and to us. Yeah. We slowly, you slowly progress learning more and more what this character can do. Um, just reminded me a lot of that. I also thought it was really interesting that they don't show us the goblin learning about his new powers. Mm. I think that could have been a really great sequence showing, you know, how Peter's learning, but also how the goblin's learning. I'd like to see him trying to learn or trying to ride that, uh, his glider. I'd like to see him trying to figure that out. I'd like to try to see him figuring out like how to throw the bombs and where to throw them and all that stuff. I think that'd be a lot of fun. That's a really good point. And I feel like it's there. I, I, I think maybe it could have even been written. It's just like this movie's over two hours. So they could, they had to cut things out because that's, that's the path I think it's going. It's going that it, it's going to show Peter. It's beat for beat it's with beat those for characters. Yeah, for until part, you, except that. Until you get to that spot. Um, I remember my theater when I saw it the first time. My theater erupted when he was trying to get the web to fly out of his hand. Yeah. When he's on the building and he was, you know, fly, you know, go web, go. Yeah, I right. mean, my theater was just laughing so hard. Yeah, I like that the web's coming out of him, not like the, the made up web shooter. Very cool, um, like very Raimi thing to do is have yeah. the webs come out of him, make him more of a spider. Um, I do, I do like. Sorry, I cut you off. Well, I was just gonna say like the because the web is what Peter makes. Like that is his science. He's a science brain guy, right? So he makes the web, but he's still smart in this movie, and it's organic. It comes out of his arm, and I yeah. I, I, I really like it. I really like that that um, innovation. I like that it comes out of him because that makes more sense, right? Like the yeah. spiders, it comes out of the spider. So it makes sense that it would come out of him. So totally. for that reason, I really like it. The reasons I don't like it is because it doesn't give Peter the opportunity to like to make it and be scientific about it. Yeah. And one of the things I really liked in the comics was watching him kind of create new types of web yeah. for the situation. He'd like, he'd fiddle with his formula 
and then he'd create something that's like now bulletproof or something or something that could resist fire. Yeah. Um, I always thought that was interesting and he could like swap out the cartridges when he needed to. So I think that allows you for some more opportunity to have fun with it, but I think it makes more sense that it comes out of him and he doesn't run out of it, right? Yeah, he doesn't actually prove in this movie that he is very smart. We are told he's very smart, he's getting awards for being very smart, but he never actually does anything that shows us that he is super smart. That's a good point. Which I would have liked. I think I would have liked that because of, yeah, because I like, of the I like the scientist, Peter. Yeah, like me that. too. Me too. I would have liked that. So obviously with the origin story, you're going to get the Uncle Ben portion. And I think this is the best Uncle Ben has ever been done. On screen. Um, yes, on screen. Yeah, for sure. On screen or in a cartoon. Okay, yeah. I, uh, I Some of the things I love is I love that the last time Peter talks to him, it's a fight. Yeah. That Peter would regret, regret having. He'd regret having that conversation. And it just adds to the guilt and the pain of what happened to Ben. Totally. I really like how they worked that in. Yeah. My, my favorite Uncle Ben moment does come from this movie. And it is when he's... He's talking to May about not really connecting with Peter. And then Peter's about to rush out to the library. And this is when he's like, oh, I'll take you. I'll drive you there. And he just looks back at May and he gives her like the, you know, I, I'm doing it. I'm going to talk to him. It's going to happen right now. And it's crushing to really just yeah. know what's coming up. So, yeah, I, I do. I do like that. I do like how they present Ben in this movie. They build him up as such a great guy. Yeah. Like yeah. you can tell that Peter probably has a lot of, you know, learned a lot of things from Ben because Ben's such a, like a stand up dude. And like Peter was supposed to help him paint. He's supposed to come home yeah. and help him or, or like paint or re redo the cabinets paint, or something. Yeah. And Peter learns about his powers and is out having fun with them all night and then comes home and remembers he was supposed to do that. And there's a note for him from Ben telling him that there's supper in the fridge. Yeah. He stood up, he stood up Ben and then uh, Ben's still like, you know, whatever. He's a kid, right? He, yeah. Ben understands and he's so loving and caring and, and smart and he's telling Peter the right things. Right. And then actually that, that fight that they had where Peter runs off, he's like, Ben says, I know I'm not your dad. And then yeah. Peter screams at him like, well, stop trying to be then or something. Right. Yeah. Like such a, even that like is a really harsh thing to say to this guy who's been raising you. Right. Yeah. And the last thing that he wants to hear. Uh, so yeah, like he, that they threw that in there. Yeah. Now that I'm older, I actually really appreciate that Ben character because it really, um, you can really see how like parents are just trying to get in there and just trying to get in their kids' lives and their kids are just, you know, they're teenagers and they're like embarrassed or whatever it is about themselves that they're just like, get away from me. Like, I don't want to talk to you about this. This is an embarrassing topic. And yeah. they yell at them. And it's, I really felt that. I really felt that pain this watch through. Yeah, for sure. There's a couple of really great cameos um, at this wrestling part where you get Bruce Campbell as an announcer. And yeah, get, dude. And we get Randy Macho Man Savage as this wrestler who's just beating up everybody. Bonesaw is ready. Bonesaw McGraw. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love so Bonesaw. Good. He's Bonesaw awesome. Rules. He's so huge in that movie. He's, he's jacked, jacked, man. And he's insane. He he's insane. jacked and insane. Yeah, he's always... That's just him. It's, I he's know. true to himself. I yeah. love it. Uh, obviously, they nailed J. Jonah Jameson. I mean, I feel like they yeah. they poured a magic potion on the comic book and he came to life out of the book. Totally. I, I just don't... That's got to be one of the best castings ever for anything. It's it's, it's so, so perfect. Tim, it's so good they did it again. 
Yeah. It's the only it's it's one of the only castings where they made a new a new franchise, uh, and, recasted and everything and guy. brought him back. Yeah. Cuz they could they couldn't have anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. And uh it does take us a little while before we get to see him, but when we finally do get to see the goblin in all his glory, it is nothing short of glorious. It is nothing short of glorious. I love Willem Dafoe as the goblin. Oh, I absolutely I love do. that dude as anything. As anything, I love him, but I was thinking because of what we've recently covered, Uh-oh. Liam Neeson could have crushed the goblin. Oh, he would have been a great goblin. He would have actually. been a great yeah, goblin. He would have been. That's true. Just yeah. from watching Darkman and knowing what what Raimi's bringing to this, I was like, I think Neeson could have crushed Goblin. But Willem Dafoe, like you're not. It's not a downgrade or anything. No, no, no. It's no. just. It's just. It could have been another person who would have done a great job. He would have done a great job. Yeah. Willem Dafoe acting wise is, is an upgrade yeah. from Liam Neeson. Yeah. And I think what put him over the top is he looks like a Goblin. Yeah. Already without any makeup Dude, on. Dude, like, totally. You could have just put ears on him and yeah. painted his face green, and that's all you need. I'd yeah. actually prefer that to his mask his giant mask i would have liked to i guess you need the mask because they still play with like him as a human character in the movie so he has to look like a human but he easily could have just his skin could have turned green he could have grown some big ears yeah and he's the goblin i love that you can see his eyes and his mouth through that mask because that adds to that because he does look like and he's like i he is a handsome man but somehow also looks like a goblin. Yeah. 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 I, I love, I love Willem Dafoe. I love so Willem much. Dafoe. Yeah. Such a great actor. Uh, I thought the dual personalities worked pretty well. Yeah. Uh, we covered the Dark Avengers comic run that plays with a similar idea. Yeah. So kind of seeing it again, I thought it really worked. I thought they did a good job with it. Um, yeah. They did have me a little bit fooled. I remember back in the day with maybe the goblin isn't Norman for, for a short time. They play with okay. that earlier in the movie where he's kind of hearing the voices. I, I thought maybe that there was another actual goblin character who was kind yeah. of like controlling him, but uh, it wasn't the case, but I, I, I thought they did a, a pretty good job of that. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of um, uh, Smeagol in uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And when he's doing that right. talking back and forth, except for that, Willem Dafoe just like looks like Smeagol. Like yeah. it just with his regular face, he's able to contort it in a way that he actually looks evil and then looks innocent. Yeah. So good, this mm. guy. So good. Yeah. I like that he tries to turn Spider-Man. Yes. Me he too. doesn't try to destroy him right away. Yeah. He doesn't see him as a threat right away. Norman's out for power now. He's power hungry and he sees that power in Spider-Man. So he tries to team up with him. I love that idea. I love it too because it's more of, I think it's more of sort of a human thing to do. Um, that idea that I'm trying, like he's just trying to destroy his enemies, like the people he doesn't like. And this guy just swings in who also is strong and also has powers and tries to stop. And he's like, well, what if I could get that guy on my side? Like, then we could really just destroy everybody. All I have to do is talk to him. He probably doesn't even know why he's being a hero. I know why I'm, I'm, getting revenge on these people, maybe he'll join in. I, I love it. I love that first step that get this other superpower to come on board. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. Without us having our like preconceived notions about how villains act. Yes, you know, exactly. It's, it's, it's really, I like that, that Raimi did that is he, he, he clearly took a step back from this movie and from the comics and wanted to do his own thing. He didn't just want to like copy something 
uh, line for line. He wanted to bring something new um, to this movie, and he he did it in a lot of different places. Yeah. Um, and I, I really appreciate that he tried to do that. He was actually... He, it seems like he just put a lot of care into this movie. He really wanted it to go well, and I think it did. So yeah, it's got it's got Raimi's touches. It's got his like sort of gross outs. It's got his um, sort of psychedelic moments a little bit, yeah. um, mm-hmm. but it's still a superhero movie. Like it's still for the masses. It was kind of it's such a perfect combination. I I absolutely love it. It's 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 really good. It's, it's like so good. It is a comic book. Like he, yes, he, you don't even. I mean, if you look at the MCU, I love those movies. There, yeah. there's a lot of those movies are I'm a way bigger fan of than this Spider Man movie. But I don't know if there's very many of those movies that is more like a comic book than this movie is. No, this is just like you're reading a comic book. It's it's got all the beats. It hits all the beats of how a comic feels when you're reading it. It's just fantastic. Yeah. Now, another great scene here is when Norman and Harry Osborne are over for Thanksgiving dinner with Aunt May, MJ, and Peter. And this is where Norman figures out that Peter is Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, this was a lot of fun and an important scene because after this, Norman you know, starts to go after Peter's loved ones, which was a big theme in this movie. But I loved how he kind of figured it out. Like... They had just kind of had a fight. Um, the Goblin and Spider-Man just kind yeah. of had a fight. And Norman has made his way there. Then Spider-Man comes back and they kind of hear him up in the attic coming in. They go to see him. He quickly jumps up to the ceiling while everybody else comes in the room looking for him. And he's got this cut from the fight right. with the Goblin. Right. And everybody leaves except Norman. He's still kind of looking around. And then just a single drop of blood falls from spider-man's arm and hits the ground and it catches norman's attention yeah i love that moment because nobody's going to hear that a person's no. not going to hear that no way yeah. right this is some of this like character development mm-hmm. of how powerful norman is because he can hear a drop of blood yeah. hit the ground yeah and it's just cool because spider-man had to quickly like make his way out of there just as norman turns around and is able to get out really cool stuff but yeah, it just uh, it throws this movie into the next um, kind of kind of act where Norman is now going to abuse the people that Peter cares for in an attempt to um, now ultimately kill him because he's he's tried to turn him. That's not working. Now he just wants to kill him. Yeah, I I also love it. And what I forget, I've seen this movie so many times. I love it so much. I've watched it so many times, and I always forget that Peter doesn't know that Norman's the goblin at that time. Right. It's one way. It's just that Norman knows that Peter is Spider-Man. It doesn't go the other way. He just thinks Norman's being weird, just leaving the dinner. And he thinks it might be about something else. It might be about MJ. It might be just like totally Norman's own problem. I love that. you And I don't remember until later on in the movie when Peter actually finds it out that like, oh yeah, he hasn't known. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So goblin almost kills Aunt May. And he takes MJ uh, all in an attempt to flush out Spider-Man and kill him. And you end up getting this really great final battle between the two. And I really love how it all ends mm-hmm. with Goblin getting killed because that had to happen. Yeah. But Spider-Man isn't directly responsible for it. 
Yeah, yeah. So he exactly. kind of keeps his hands clean. So totally. a, a similar thing happened uh, earlier in the movie with um, the guy who kills Ben. Yeah. Sp- uh, you know, Spider Man or it, it's Peter at the time. Um, like confronts him, and you want Peter to kill him. You want that to happen. And the guy accidentally, you know, trips and falls out a window. So we get what we want, but Peter doesn't have any blood on his hands. Yeah, for sure. Same thing happens here. Yeah. You know, Peter's just trying to save himself. He jumps out of the way of the glider and the glider goes and hits Goblin and kills him. So again, it's kind of what you want to have happen, but our hero is still our hero. I think they did a pretty good job of like making that work in the movie. Yeah. And I, I love the end here. I love um, Norman's last line, which is Peter, don't tell Harry. That's the last oh, thing yeah. he says is nice. Peter, don't tell Harry. And this entire movie, Norman has just been ragging on Harry about not being good enough or not trying hard enough or not not being the man he wants him to be while he's super impressed with Peter. And he's been right. just like always been like, oh, this is the son I want. Like Peter's so smart. Peter's so good. I'll give him a job. I'll give him whatever he wants. And so it's nice to see at the end that that's what he that's still the last breath. The last thing he's going to say is don't tell my son that I was this guy like let's keep that away from harry i want to protect harry i like that he's trying to protect harry with his last breath yeah i like that point because there was a really good relationship of norman osborne and peter parker in the movie yeah they were um they were friends they had a relationship and uh you know it obviously all got torn down um and also yeah like even though Norman isn't all that high up on Harry, he's high up on Peter. Harry just thinks the world of Norman. Oh, totally. He, he, he basically like tells off MJ because he's defending his dad who, yeah, like you say, barely seems to care for him. Yeah. Right? doesn't show him a lot of affection, but Harry just has him up on this pedestal. So, um, you know, some really good foreshadowing for the next movie, but yeah, that, it, that's a good point that he says, you know, don't tell Harry because yeah. he doesn't want Harry following in his, in his footsteps here. Yeah, and I think the groundwork is laid so well for the third movie to just be Harry Osborn as Green Goblin, and that is the only thing that that movie is about, and it would have been so perfect. And if we ever get around to that movie, we can talk about it, but uh, it's just, it's laid right there for you that Harry is looks up to his father so much and is so mad that when his father dies. Yeah, I'll tell you what. It's going to take a really weird week for us to cover <laughs> Spider-Man 3. Great. I, I just, mean, I don't know if I can do it. Yeah, that's fine. I think Not a that, fan. I think there's good parts in it, and I think the good parts are the goblin parts. And I think that if you just stuck to the goblin and just stuck to that arc, it is an amazing trilogy that yeah. you just end it. You start it with Norman, you end it with Harry. That's perfect. I'm not against it. I'm not against doing it. Yeah. Um, if the listeners want it. You want to hear us talk about Spider-Man 3? Of course, Tim. Of course they do. Don't speak for the listeners, Dean. <laughs> they, they can speak for themselves. Okay, sorry. Sorry, listeners. Drop us a line. Sorry, listeners. Find us. Find us somewhere and drop a line. We're all over the place. Email. We're on social media. Call our agent. Yeah. Do we sign up for an agent? I think we have an agent, yeah. <laughs> do we? Yeah. I think his name's Jeff. I don't think, I don't think Jeff knows where to find us. No. I don't have a last name for him. Uh, contact Brian, our producer. <laughs> yeah, he'll know. At 
at uh, 10101010100100101101. That's his number. Because he's a robot. We got it. They, we got they it. Got <laughs> it. They got it. They got it. Probably didn't have to explain it. <laughs> no, we got it. But for people who don't know who Brian is, actually, we don't talk about him all that much anymore. Right. Because he's an asshole. But uh, he's the voice you hear at the beginning of our beginning of our podcasts. He was a big part of the show early on for a while. Yeah, yeah. maybe we should actually see if he'll come back and do something with us. Yeah, I kind of miss Brian actually. Yeah, there was a time where he was higher in the organization than I was. Yeah, he yeah he did have senior, seniority <laughs> over you because yeah, me and him started out right from the right oh from yeah the it was beginning you together. and him ride or me die. And him. <laughs> he was my ride or die, <laughs> and then he got an attitude. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, then I brought you in, phased him out. Um, uh, Dean, MJ confesses that she loves Peter, uh, which was a nice moment, but he can't return the love yeah, because of the superhero trope that the loved ones are at risk. So he rejects her. Yeah. And this was a really weird, like happy, but not happy ending. And it was absolutely not what I was expecting. No. But I appreciate the movie for ending that way. I love it. I mean, I've, I've talked about it already. My favorite sort of Spider-Man thing is that when he's Spider-Man, you want him to just be Peter. You want just Peter to have the best life. And then when he's Peter, you're like, oh, but we need Spider-Man. We need Spider-Man in the world. I love this uh, push and pull between the two. So this is a perfect ending for me that he finally gets what he's been wanting the entire movie. MJ tells him he she loves him and he's wanted that the the whole movie and he can't he's gotten to a point at any other point in the movie he would have said i love you too yeah but he's finally gotten to the point where he realizes he can't say that because he actually puts her in danger by saying that so he says you will always be my friend she cries i cry it's a great ending it is a great ending and i will end it on this that toby Maguire is my spider-man wow he is. I like it. I didn't like him because yeah. he seemed dorky for me when I was younger. And Perfect. it annoyed me. Now I'm a little bit more mature. He's my Spider-Man. He he is all facets of Peter Parker for me. Perfect. He rules. Uh, this movie is so good. This is a movie where as I'm watching it, I'm thinking... There can be no better movie. That's just the feeling I have while I'm watching this movie. I have a top 50 movie list, which has like 86 movies on it. It's not in there. Wow. But when I watch it, when I'm watching it, I'm thinking there can be no better movie. Yeah, this isn't in my top movies. Um, It's a two hour runtime. Didn't mind that. Normally I like a 130. I think you could have shaved maybe 10 minutes off this movie, make it a bit tighter, but it deserved the runtime it got. So... Okay, that's it for movies. Let's move on to comics. What if? What if, number one, what if Spider-Man had joined the Fantastic Four? Now, this comic was released in 1977 by Marvel Comics. And what if, if you're not familiar, are stories that explore how the Marvel Universe might have unfolded if key moments in history had not occurred as they did in the mainstream continuity. 
the first story to hit the shelves would combine two of Marvel's most popular titles at the time, Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four. So, do you have a lot of familiarity with What If? I don't. Like, I know what What If is, but I haven't read a lot of the What If issues. I've... Um, I've, I've known a lot of things that have come out of them, but I have not read a lot of the issues. Yeah. So, I mean, I was a comic book collector as a kid, uh, it's well documented on this podcast. My paper, my paper route kept me in comic book money. I was able to buy all the comic books. And then much later in, in our lives, I started sharing some of those with you and that's how you got into it. So yeah, uh, I could see you not really getting into what if, what if was a big deal for me back in the day once I discovered it? As soon as I discovered it, it was everything I wanted out of a comic book. I wanted these bizarre stories, these really interesting tales. Yeah. They were super fun. And one step further past what if, there was a comic book series called What The. And it was Marvel's take on like mad comics. Oh, yeah. But okay. with the superheroes. Right. And those were a lot of fun too. He's got Wolverine, you know, and his claws are melting and just like weird stuff like that. And it's all just silly stuff. Wolverine can't fight because his claws melt and they're flopping around for whatever reason. But um, those were a lot of fun too. And I just, I really liked this kind of take. Um, Just lighthearted. It's lighthearted is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I talk to you about superheroes and when we were talking about comics and you were giving me comics and lending me comics, I remember you always bringing up What If. Oh, really? Oh, Oh, good for me. This character did this in What If. And like, What If is so cool. What If is so fun because you can do whatever you want with it. Right. So there's all these stories that happen. I, I knew about What If because of you and because of your love for it and and when you were handing me spider-man comics and and wolverine comics that's what you mentioned you mentioned the what if stories nice yeah so these uh what if comics they always start with the watcher uatu setting up the scenario makes sense he's like the wise one he knows all and i actually thought it was pretty cool because as he's setting this up The way he's describing this is he's saying, look, these aren't real stories, but these are things that could be happening in like parallel dimensions that are happening at the same time as ours is. And I thought that's really interesting because that's what the MCU is getting into right now is the whole multiverse. Yeah. So don't be confused and think that this multiverse is a brand new idea that Marvel has just come up with. This is way back in the 70s, probably before that. I probably don't know about the comics that, you know, were way ahead of this one that this type of stuff was dropped in, but I I liked hearing his explanation of it. Now, he doesn't call it the multiverse, but the idea is there already. Yeah, I absolutely love the setup to this being the first what if, I think this is the first what if this comic. This is the first what if comic ever. Yeah. yeah, and this is the first one I've ever read. Okay. So his setup is being like if say there's a person that's going to get hit by a car and someone can see that person being hit by a car will they there's a bunch of different things that could happen depending on what that person chooses to do if they choose to be quiet then that person's going to get hit by the car if they tell them then that person's not going to get hit by the car there's just all these different outcomes that could possibly happen from just that one choice of one person so they they are setting up the multiverse in this comic and I thought that was really, really neat um, considering where we are in the MCU not now. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, this is this is timely. Uh, not only for that, but also um, for the what if um, show that uh, you know has been out recently. Exactly. So yeah. Check those out. The what if and Moon Knight are the two that I have been looking the most forward to. Totally. Those and those are going to blow my mind. I haven't gotten to what if quite yet. They've been releasing them week to week. I want to build up a big library so I can binge it. And that's what I do too, man. Once that, I might even wait till it's all done, and then yeah. I'm just gonna smash that show. That's what I've done with with all of them, yeah. all the shows. I just wait till they're done, and I just smash them. Yeah. Now on page two, the watcher tells us about some weird scenarios that already happened, and there's art of those moments that I assume happened in other comics because that's what they lead us to believe. Yeah. Then we see a note from creator Roy Thomas, and it says, This and other scenes on these pages are from various Marvel mags, past and present, but we'll let you tell us which one's okay. And I had forgotten, Dean, that these older comics, they'd explain things to you in them. They're so weird. They think we're so stupid. That they have to explain things to us. I understood what was going on that page because of the Watcher's explanation. Yes. Then creator creator Roy pops in and he's like, just in case you didn't catch that, these are from other comics. Yes. Okay. I love these and hate these things that are in the 70s comics. I Settle down, Roy. I settle down, Roy. I hate them because, yeah, like there's so much explanation in these comics that we can just see and we know and they think we're dumb. But I love them because the creators get to sort of put like their personality into the comic. They get a time where they get to talk directly to the readers. And that's what I've always really liked about Stan Lee comics in particular, where he's just talking to me and he's making his little dumb nerd joke that I find hilarious just in his comic book. That's him just being him aside from the story. Yeah, I don't like it. It pulls it pulls me out of the story. <laughs> no, I, I that's the problem. And totally like that's what are, the letters page is for. Yeah, at the back. These are not my favorite comics. I would not choose this over anything. Like I would not choose the seventies where they're talking to you over anything. But I think it's an interesting time where the writer would talk to you. Yeah, I love the seventies comics. I just yeah. don't like when they talk to you. Yeah, and I especially don't like when they condescend you. <laughs> yeah, when <laughs> like. Yeah. Oh, so Spider Man just shot this guy in the face with web, and then Roy yes. Roy Thomas comes in. Did you guys know that this guy actually can't see now because Spider-Man's web is covering his eyes? Just wanted to let you know that. If you didn't know, drop us if a you line. you didn't know, just <laughs> want to let you know that this guy can't see. Yeah. Thanks, Roy. Thanks, Roy. That we got was it. obvious. Okay. And you know what? I shouldn't be ripping on Roy. Roy's great. Mm-hmm. Roy is great. Yeah. Great man. Yeah. So Spider-Man wants to join the Fantastic Four. He sneaks into their HQ and gets trapped. He breaks out. And I like this part, Dean. He kicks the Fantastic Four's asses. Yeah, Tim. This is... This is... My favorite part. All in a regular comic. I think this is all in Spider-Man 1. I read this. I've read this before. Yeah, there's a... Yeah, that that is cool that the way that they do it is they do have like things that have happened before yeah. and they do show it again, but they change the story. Yeah. That is pretty interesting. So he broke in and he did this. He did this in, in, in his Spider-Man comic and uh, he fucking kicked the Fantastic Four's ass. He annihilated 
Everybody, it wasn't even a, a close it fight. It wasn't even close. I was kind of, like, I have read this comic, like, I had read that comic before, that Spider-Man comic where he did that, and I was still shocked by it this time around. I was like, wow, they're just going with it. They're just saying Spider-Man can own the Fantastic Four, and the Fantastic Four at this point in time is kind of Marvel's thing. Spider-Man's yeah. going to take over and be Marvel's thing, but at this point, it's like, that's their thing, and this guy just comes and destroys them all. I loved it. I I'm loved not, it too, man. I loved not it. Not a fan of the Fantastic Four. So in this moment, I was on board with you. I was like, these Fantastic Four, they suck. Yeah, they're useless. I used to like them. What is this? Yeah. So Spider-Man demands a paid job. <laughs> which was his whole asshole. plan here. His whole plan was he wasn't making enough money at the Daily Beagle. <laughs> and the Fantastic Four are like super popular. So he's going to get a job with them and make a bunch of money. He's such an asshole. So it, it's funny. He wants the job. Yeah. The Fantastic Four tell them they're a not-for-profit team. It's <laughs> hilarious. Great. Yeah, all, great. All their proceeds go to science. Great. Right? Science. Awesome. Reed Richards eventually agrees, though, because he says he's been looking for a way to get the others on the team some more cash. So this might work out. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. What are you? Are you not for profit? Are you paying your employees? What's going on here? I love that the switch in the story is that Reed Richards is like, <laughs> I would like to pay my employees. It's immediate, yeah. <laughs> he's like, but it sounds like he's already paying them. Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to pay them more. I'd and, like to pay, they want more. I and, should pay them more. Now I, I don't understand how him paying Spider-Man now allows, allows him, him to pay, yeah. I guess they get a raise. They can't be paid the same as Spider-Man because they've thinks, been around for longer. He thinks they can do more stuff now with Spider-Man on the team and everyone else takes offense to that. That's great. I would like to point out at this point in the comic, the comic is very regular. This is a regular comic and it's feeling very great and it's very good. Yes. This comic is about to get bug nuts. Oh, this, this comic, comic goes wild. Goes it goes bananas. Wild and it rules and it goes yeah. absolutely wild. So let's get into it. And it never stops. It never Stops it's until great. it's done, till the last panel. What ifs are fun. So, in a show of trust, Spider-Man takes off his mask and reveals his identity. And Sue Storm says she thought he'd be scarred because he's wearing that mask. And, right. And Reed says, there are many kinds of scars, Sue. <laughs> Calm down, Richards. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. No, he's emotionally scarred. That's why he's wearing the mask, right? What? And I mean, Spider shut up, dude. Spider-Man's like, hell yeah, dude. He's wearing the mask <laughs> because of the trope we talked about where you can't let your loved ones so funny. get in danger. The guy's not emotionally... No. Why would you wear a mask if you're emotionally scarred? It's so weird. It's such a strange line. Are you starting to understand why I hate the Fantastic Four? Yeah. Dude. Fuck. Bunch of bunch of oh, i can't argue with you in this moment tim i can't do it reed richards is so fucking pretentious it drives me insane <laughs> uh, so they they call a press conference to announce they're now the fantastic five cool i like it i like that name a lot more of course because uh you you high five yeah so you could high five the fantastic five that's a great point yeah that's a great point so they're off to fight the vulture and I love that in one of the panels, the vulture has a purse in his hand. Like he's some petty fucking crook on oh, the yeah. street just grabbing purses. It rules, Tim. It's awesome. It rules that he's just grabbing purses. It rules that right before the vulture, the chameleon is like, oh shit, um, Spider-Man's part of the Fantastic Four. I wanted to impersonate Spider-Man 
and I can't because he's a good guy now, and he just doesn't exist anymore as a villain. Oh yeah, he was in he for just, two seconds. He doesn't exist anymore because in an early Spider-Man comic, he just impersonated Spider-Man and did crimes because right. everyone didn't like everyone didn't think Spider-Man was a good guy, so yeah. that worked out for them. Yeah, he just doesn't exist anymore as a criminal. It's amazing. <laughs> that was nice. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the Human Torch burns Vulture's wings off, and they capture the Vulture. And once again, there's a note at the bottom of the page from Roy, and it <laughs> says, In your world, Spider-Man would have had to invent an anti-magnetic inverter to counteract the Vulture's wings, then been on hand as Peter Parker to photograph the solo capture. <laughs> What? Yeah, this is the shit Dude. I this is the shit I hate, Tim. It's like, what the fuck is this? Why I don't need to know this. What is why do I need to he, he's No like, one cares. Let us use our own brain, Roy. We have brains, let us use them. But dude, he, even if we get it wrong, it'll be fine. He is writing a comic called What If, and he is still trying to be like, nerds, don't get mad at me, okay? I know this happened, but like it, it's okay. Right. He's with the Fantastic Four now, they can do it. It's like just let it be. You're writing a what if comic. Just let it be. That is a pretty good point, though. He's deflecting nerds. He's here, deflecting. Which yeah. I don't. I, I'm not offended by deflecting nerds. No. Sometimes you have to deflect. Sometimes you have to. You have to put your shields up. Yeah. Sometimes you got to do that. So okay. Maybe I'm just mis misinterpreting Roy's whole purpose here. I mean, and this is pre-internet. Imagine what Roy would oh, be writing in comics. Now. He's getting those. He's getting those personal he's getting letters. Getting the letters. Yeah, the nerds are sending letters. Let's start with well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, actually, the yeah, Human Torch never would have been able to fry his <laughs> wings because they were magnetically inverted. Hmm. Okay. Thanks, nerd. <laughs> it's funny, but I'm a nerd. I'm a nerd too. We're Tim. nerds. Our, we have our, our listeners are probably all nerds. Fucking nerdy retro podcast. So settle. If you're a nerd out there, settle down because we are two. Okay, we yeah. are one. Now we are we nerd. are one. We are nerd. <laughs> we are nerd. Now Sue, Sue Storm, because it's the '70s, isn't allowed to go on the mission with the four other guys. Of course, because they have to oppress her because she's a woman. Yeah. And she gets taken capture by the Submariner, who is actually being controlled by the Puppet Master. Yes, but what is very interesting, Tim, is she gets taken capture by him because she kind of wants to go on a date with him. She, she, yeah, she they, kinda likes she's him. got some weird, like, they have some weird, like, connection, romantic connection. She is sexually attracted to him, and he called her, I guess like telepathically maybe he yeah. called her and she was like i kind of want to go check out what he's what he's calling me for i know i'm married to reed but i like i kind of like this dude. she was into it yeah he's, she's so into him mm -hmm. i found this very fascinating it was nice i liked it it was interesting <laughs> namor appears at the fantastic fives hq as a mental projection and tells the team he has sue so the fantastic five need to rescue her so they head into the ocean with no idea where Namor is and how hard could it be to find Namor <laughs> in the ocean. They even, I think they even say when they get into the ocean, they're just like, where are we supposed to go? Yeah. <laughs> Reed's just like, we'll find him. They just no they take their it's sub the into the ocean and they're like, let's go find him. 
And it turns out it was actually pretty easy. It was very easy he to was find just, him. Namor was right there. He's right there. But he immediately captures them and uh, takes them to his lair where he has the world's deadliest octopus about to kill Sue. Cool. That was cool. I like, I like octopus. I like that part a lot. Yeah. We get an epic battle between the Fantastic Five and Namor. And one by one, I don't know if it's Namor or Namor. 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 I think I say Namor, but I think yeah. it could be Namor. I think I say Namor too, but it is Namor. Okay. Okay. But it's just same with like Thanos and Thanos. Yeah. I always called him Thanos and then the movies come out and he's Thanos. Thanos and I'm, yeah. Then I'm supposed to change like a lifetime of calling him it's by okay. the wrong name, which I can't do. You so. can do, you can do Thanos. It's fine. I've been getting a little bit better with that, but that was a tough one. So it's supposed to be Namor? I think it's supposed to be Namor. Okay, I'll try. The Submariner. Yeah. I called him Namor the Submariner. <laughs> Me <laughs> so too. I was like blowing it on all fronts. Me too. <laughs> you uh, got sub, right? <laughs> I got the sub, right? <laughs> um, Namor, he's kicking the shit out of the Fantastic Five. They just keep attacking one yeah. by one and he keeps de- defending one by one. Uh, the Puppet Master, though, is getting angered because nobody's getting killed. He wants more murder. So he tries to get... Namor to kill them with his poisoned gas plant. Right. He's got all these weird tools, these ocean tools. Um, the giant octopus, though, got into a fight with the thing, and the thing was able to defeat it. Yeah. And it flees. The giant octopus flees, and in the process, finds the puppet master's submarine and attacks it, breaking yeah. the puppet master's link with Namor. Yeah, they really shit on octopuses in this comic about being super dumb. Oh, yeah, that was weird. There's many times. There's yeah. like three to four times where they comment on how stupid octopuses yeah, how are. how small their brains are. <laughs> how small their bra- brains are. How you can't, how the puppet master can't control its brain because it's too small and yeah. dumb. <laughs> what the octopuses fuck, man? Octopuses are super intelligent. Chill. Chill on the octopus. They're super smart. They, they can camouflage they shoot ink out <laughs> so you don't see them have you Come ever on. seen them like um problem solve i haven't but i, I imagine check out some videos it. where like okay. scientists put them like they give them a task to yeah. achieve and like the octopus is doing it faster than a human would do it yeah exactly like, fucking they're chill smarter than us i think chill comic on how dumb this octopus yeah, is they're definitely smarter than me <laughs> um here's the thing though with the link broken everything's gonna be fine now You'd think. Of course, yeah. Except no. Namor and the Fantastic Five decide to continue fighting. Wait, to why? To determine who gets to be in love with Sue Storm. Right, of course. They just keep on fighting. Of course, it's not her choice. It's whoever wins the fight who gets well, her. Well, it becomes her choice. Yeah. She tells them to stop fighting because she chooses Namor. <laughs> Fuck yeah, man. This is a, a twist ending. This twist. Dude, this threw me hard oh, what if spider-man so what if spider-man joined the fantastic four yeah sue storm, sue storm cheats on her husband cheats on her husband chooses <laughs> namor yeah. yes hell yes this is what i want out of this comic yeah she feels like the team doesn't need her anymore <laughs> yes so namor puts her into his machine that will turn her into an amphibian like him what and they live happily ever after she, and he that's changed- it. He changed her into an amphibian. That's the end. She breathes water now. Yeah. And that's the end of the comic. Yeah. She comes out choking and he's like, oh, right. Oh, yeah, right. She you only breathes breathe water now. Better get her into the water quick. And that's that. What if... if that's there, it. done. If there was a Fantastic Five with four dudes and a chick, yeah. 
she would cheat on her husband. It's a boys club. Take off with someone else. It's a boys club. No girls they allowed. Went, they went to space without her. Of course. Get out of there. You're yeah. you're a valued member of the team, but in this whole comic, you weren't. So yeah, take off. Wow. I thought wow, this was, that was a very, wild, man. It was this, a lot of fun and also very offensive to women at the same time. It's very offensive to women, very offensive to octopuses. Yes, true. Um, I really, really liked it. This is the first What If I've read. I was super into it because it went so bug nuts. Like when it started out and it was just the Spider-Man comic I'd already read and then a slight change and then kind of basically saying like some villains would get defeated easier because the Fantastic Four is with Spider-Man now. I was like, okay, okay, okay. But then when it went like bug nuts and it ends with Sue Storm just leaving Reed Richards, I was totally on board. Two thumbs up for this comic. I I loved loved it. it. Great. A lot of fun. Great art. I I love this 70s comic art. It looks fantastic. Oh, yeah. Check out this comic. Check out What If. And I'm, yeah, I'm totally into What If now. Totally into, I mean, we we both bought a volume of What If to read this issue. I'm reading the rest as soon as I get home. Like, I loved it. Might be some more What If uh, uh, issues and episodes coming, everybody. Totally. Get ready for some more offensive material. (laughs) Okay, moving on. Game, video games. We got Spider-Man versus the Kingpin from 1991 on the Sega Genesis. This was released in, obviously, 91, two years after the launch of the Sega Genesis, and this was rumored to be an extremely popular title for the Genesis, and its positive sales actually convinced Marvel not to cancel its licensing deal that it had with Sega. Cool. And I bought this game when it came out for $99. Genesis games were so expensive. Holy shit, dude. I remember I wanted Strider so bad, but it was $119. Wow. When I finally got it, I got it on sale for $99. Wow, that is a lot. Oh, they were so much money, but, oh, dude, they were just levels above other games. Yeah. Um, And I played the shit out of this game. Yeah, dude. And this one, we thought it would be fun to get together with and actually play it. Yeah, man. So we did that. So you you actually have history as well. Yes. Uh, you would have played my copy of this on the Genesis. I have a story, Tim. Oh, yeah. You have a story. Okay, go ahead. I don't know if you remember it. Yeah, but... I guess you broke into my room and you were playing no. the game while I was at work. No, Tim, this is way better. This is a way better brotherly love story. Okay, let's hear it. Um, older brother was playing hockey at an arena and you and I were playing ball tag in the dressing room. Oh, I remember this. Okay. I remember this. We were playing ball tag in the dressing rooms. Oh, yes, of course. We were running down a hall, and I looked behind me because uh, your friend was the one who had the ball. So I was looking behind me because he was just about to turn the corner and throw the ball at us. When I turned back around, the door had opened to another dressing room, and I ran straight into it. And I was bleeding from my forehead. I was bleeding a lot. And I remember you coming up to me and telling me, I'm sorry, if you need stitches, you can play Genesis all day. 
I remember that. And yeah. I needed stitches. I went to the hospital praying I would get stitches. Because <laughs> well, I got you got them. Because I got to play Genesis all day. I got stitches. I got four stitches in my head or whatever it was. And you let me play Genesis all day, and I played Spider Man versus Kingpin. That's what it's called. Spider Man versus... on the on the Genesis box. It just it's just called Spider Man. Okay. But when you turn the game on, the title screen is Spider Man versus the Kingpin. Okay. So I played that all day. And I remember you coming in and checking in on me and just oh, like, yeah. like, how's it going? Terrible. How's it going? This is how you beat this person and to carry on. And I remember that I got all the way to the final boss on that one day of playing. I just played it oh, so wow. much. I got to nice. the final boss on that day. I don't think I ever beat him. I don't think I beat the kingpin. But I remember that day. I can still remember that day. I was probably, I don't know, five or six years old. Like I was pretty little. Yeah, maybe a little bit older, but. Okay. Yeah, I was left in charge of you at that arena. Yeah. And, you know, dad's just like, okay, you guys go off and play. What could go wrong? <laughs> Tim, you're in charge. Okay, well, when dad comes back to pick us up, I can see your skull. Yeah. I'm like, I think I can see his skull. Yeah, there's his skull. This isn't good. I felt so bad. Deep cut. It was a deep cut. Of course, cut. dad's just like, what did you do? Yeah. And then he took you to the hospital and I just felt so bad. So, But like a day, a day playing the Genesis was the best thing I could ever get. Like that was, I would watch you play video games and I loved that. And maybe I'd get to hold the controller for a bit and and play along. But I got a yeah. whole day by myself with the Genesis. I played Spider-Man all fucking day and I loved it. One yeah. of my favorite days. <laughs> that was great. So we got together to play it again and I pulled out my original Genesis. I pulled out the yes. original cartridge. Yes. And I'm looking for the cords and I've got a Nintendo cord for it and i'm it's weird man i plugged in i'm like i don't know if this is the right cord but yeah. I plug it in it fits into the genesis it's the classic gray nintendo like rca box plug that in nothing works i'm panicking um and everything gets solved by me blowing into the system and blowing on the cartridge that's how you do it dude that's how you that's, that's still how, how you, you do it, it everybody that's still how you Just do it blowing the cartridge in yeah. the machine as soon as i did that the thing turned right on with the nintendo adapter amazing mind you now i pull out the controller dean we start to play and oh dude my i've got two controllers they're both just jacked they yeah. are so old and run down on one controller one of the buttons doesn't work and on the other one a different button doesn't work and then the buttons that do work barely work so we're playing and we're struggling our way through this level yeah it's impossible you press jump nothing happens uh, you hammer it, nothing happens. And then once in a while, something does happen. Impossible gaming experience. Yeah, the one controller jump doesn't work. The other controller, the web doesn't work. So like, I, you need both. Yeah. The only thing you kind of maybe don't need is the punch. Yeah, but even pressing up doesn't always work. Yeah. Down doesn't always work. Like, these were in rough shape. It was rough. It was but rough. it was the OG system. Yeah. We did the best we could. And then we remembered that I actually have some other variations of the genesis i thought i only had one i thought i had this system that has a bunch of games on it that you just plug in and it's got controllers stuck to it which yeah. i do have but then you mentioned something about a different smaller system that has games on it but you can also plug or you can slap cartridges onto yes so i went and checked i actually have both of them so i grabbed the one beautiful you can slap cartridges into it's got two of its own controllers so great, let's let's do Excellent. this. Plug that in. That thing works. Um, it's got wireless remotes, so we need to put new batteries in. 
So I go downstairs, crack open the controller, and it's still got batteries in it, and the batteries have leaked everywhere. Of course. This controller is full of battery acid. <laughs> of course. So um, it just seems like it might not be meant to be. But I give it a little clean off, you know, clean some battery acid out, put a couple new batteries in. This sucker still works. And Tim, you crushed after that. Well, dude, hold on. Don't throw out anything that's got battery acid damage. For sure. Yeah. They'll still work. I couldn't yeah. believe it. It worked perfect. But yeah, then that yeah. controller worked and we got to start playing the game for real. Yeah. And making our way through. Now, this was obviously a game that I had mastered as a kid. For sure, yeah. And once you figure this game out, it's pretty easy. Like, it is a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun stuff going on. But you can really make it through levels really fast and then just fight the boss. And I got to the point where I was able to, like when I was younger, basically just speed run this thing. Yeah. And get all the way to the end to fight the kingpin. Yeah. And it was... Probably the toughest boss battle I've ever encountered. I could get to the end of this game, no problem, without dying. And then I think only maybe one time, or I, I honestly think it was only one time in my life that I beat, beat the Kingpin mm -hmm. after getting to him 25 or 30 times. And it's because MJ is hanging from a wire above this pit of fire. And as you're fighting the Kingpin, she's being lowered into the fire. And you only have like 15 or 20 seconds to beat the Kingpin. Because if she falls in there, it's over. she dies, yeah. Kingpin escapes, and you're there crying on your knees. Yeah. You come along <laughs> while we're playing and tell me you watched a speed run. Yeah. And that you can shoot your web at MJ and it'll raise her back up. So that she doesn't fall into the lava. I never knew this. Yeah. So you're telling me people were beating it in a much easier way. And I actually beat it in the way you're not supposed to beat it one time. Yes. So you have about 15 seconds if she just gets lowered straight down. But you can web her chain that she's being lowered down. And so she's stuck then until your web disappears, which is uh, about... 20 seconds so you can fight the kingpin and then as soon as your web disappears you got to web it again and then she's stuck there again and you can keep fighting the kingpin and so it's really just another added layer of something you have to remember to do so she doesn't get lowered in but you somehow never knew this beat the kingpin it, you must have mastered that shit so hard to beat the kingpin in 15 seconds probably um, you basically you yeah can't, i think you can get a hit what I realized is you could get hit one time by him. And that's it. And yeah. then you don't have any more time. Yeah. You have to just pummel him so fast that if he hits you twice, you're not going to make it. Amazing. And I one time miraculously beat him. Amazing. I This game's great. I love this game. I love it too. So we picked it back up again and we, yeah. we kind of struggled through it, but we got pretty far. Yeah, well, it, it's kind of like you said, there's strategies there you, if you can just remember them or figure them out. Like as soon as you figure out sort of how to beat the really tough um, spots, then it's easy to get past that spot. Um, and it's a lot of boss battles. Uh, there's, which I, I really appreciate with the game because that's what Spider-Man is. He has so many, he has so many different villains that he fights and they're all so very interesting. So to fit them all in a game, it, in a short game, it would be tough to get more than just, you know, a couple in there, but true. What, what they do is don't have very long levels and just the game is basically boss battles. I yeah. think the first level is honestly the longest level. I think it's the most that you have to sort of get to know 
um, the controls, get to know how to fight uh, guys. And then after that, it's just like zip through the level, like web sling through the level and right. fight the boss. Right. The first level you can't web sling through. Yeah. Then the other level is a little bit more like open world where you can just kind of shoot your long web and swing through. You just swing past everybody. And get to the boss. Some yeah. of the levels you can get to the boss in like, you know, 10 seconds. Yeah. And fight the boss. Yeah. But you don't really know that, right? You almost... It's one of those things where it's going to take you a while to figure out that that's what you can do. But once you realize it, then you can just blast through these levels. Yeah. So it is all trial and error. You do have to kind of, you know, um, grind your way through these levels at first until you realize what you can do. But then there's always like a little trick to beat the bad, to beat the bosses and you can annihilate them pretty quick. The toughest thing that we encountered on this play was a gorilla in the park. We couldn't figure the gorilla out. You you figured it out. We were... uh, we were missing something. We, we needed to put on our web, web shield, shield yeah. to, to beat them. We, we, I wasn't doing that, but no, it's cool. It's like a, it's a side scrolling, you know, action adventure game. Yeah. You mentioned the villains. It's great. There's Dr. Octopus. You fight the lizard, Electro, uh, the Sandman's there, yeah. Hobgoblin, Venom shows up a bunch of different times. And then the Kingpin at the end. Um, it, it was fun. There was um, some cool stuff going on. You had mentioned, I don't even think I had done this either, but you mentioned if you go to the option screen, there's a picture of Peter. And if you click on it, you'll go back to his apartment and you'll just regenerate your life. Right. Because when you start new levels, you actually don't get a full health bar. So you're just, you're just going with your life that you started the game with um, until you die. And if you die... You get put in jail and you actually lose time because this game counts down a specific amount of time you have to beat it in. So you don't want to die. So you can use this. Yeah, this you can go to Peter's apartment and just sit there and regenerate your health until you're ready to go back out. Right. But you're probably losing time. You're losing time in there for sure. Because yeah. the Kingpin set a bomb. Yeah. And it's set to 30 minutes and it's 30 minutes real time. So if you die... I think if you die and continue, you lose a couple minutes just yeah. right off the bat. Yeah. So what you have to do is not die a lot in this game. So it's very hard for beginners. And then as you progress your way through it, time doesn't become a factor because you can make your way through so fast. But yeah, there's some cool stuff. Like you're you're taking pictures with your camera. You get yeah. to take your pictures and sell them for money. And that helps you buy web fluid. Yeah, it's great. Lots of fun stuff. This The music, I really like the music. Oh, yeah. Sound effects could be kind of annoying at times though because there's just well first of all your spider sense is in a super annoying sound it's just a yeah. terribly annoying screeching sound yeah luckily it only comes out when there's rats around <laughs> it only triggers reason. when there's rats <laughs> that's the only thing that triggers a spider sense is sewer rats so strange <laughs> which which works because i don't really want to hear that but <laughs> Yeah, you, um, you're you trying to disable this bomb from the kingpin and each of the bosses you beat, 
gives you one of the keys. Yeah. So after you collect your keys, then you go off to find the Kingpin's bomb. You defuse his bomb, which was another really difficult thing for me to figure out. It is, Again, yeah. as a kid playing with no internet, no way to figure out what was going on, I just blow, I blew this bomb up so many times without understanding yeah. how to do it. And then when you understand what to do, it is so simple. Um, it's just like the, the device itself is flashing different colors. Yeah. And if you just put the color of key that corresponds to whatever color flashes at the right time, then that key will be accepted. Yeah. And it goes into, I think it goes into like a quick flashing sequence where all the colors will flash after that yes. really fast, but then it will slow down again. And then if you just catch the color at the right time, Seems very intuitive, but at the time it wasn't, and I had a tough time figuring it out. I remember having a very hard time with the keys. That was um, what I really remembered about the game. I thought the keys, putting in the keys was how you just win the game, because that's what oh, yeah. really stuck in my head. Well, you had a um, concussion at the time, too, so it's okay. <laughs> it's also true. So I just remembered the keys, and the keys being the big thing, trying to get that sequence down. I thought you had to memorize a sequence, but you're right. It just shows you a color, and then... It flashes all the colors, and then it consistently flashes one and black, and the like. Right. So oh, blue, right. black, yeah. blue, black, blue, black. So you know it's blue. blue. I need the blue key, yeah. and so you put it in. Um, but yeah, that was so hard to figure out as a kid. Yeah. Well, great. It's a fun game. Um, so I fun. actually want to keep playing it. I want to beat it. Yeah. We got. We got far. We got pretty far. We ran out of time. We got actually. To, yeah, yeah, we we ran out of the, the bomb blew up. We uh, died too many times, but it was all because of that damn gorilla. He the killed gorilla us more than tough. anything yeah. else. Yeah, we got four out of the five keys, so we just had right. one more boss to beat, but we ran out of time. Yeah, so I think if we play it again, we can do it. A lot of fun though, tons of fun. Oh yeah. All right, let's move on to and more. Yeah, man. And we got our Spider-Man cartoon. We are doing season two, episode one of the 1990s Spider-Man show. And the episode is The Insidious Six. Yes, dude. Now, you're a huge fan of this show. Yeah. I definitely remember watching this show. Um, really, really fun. Definitely reminds me of the X-Men cartoon. Oh, for sure. Even though they were done by different teams. It was done by the same production company, but different teams. Uh. I was very surprised. I thought I would go and see that they were done by the same team. Yeah, for but sure. But they were not. Uh, this a uh, few episodes from the one that we watched, the X-Men are actually in it. Yes, they do, they, do, I know. they do a crossover because yeah. um, Peter's uh, kind of mutating a bit. And so he thinks maybe the X-Men can help him out. So they they join the team. And that's yeah. what's really great about this um, series is that they did so many of these like uh, getting all these Marvel characters into the show, which is that's kind of how I learned about characters in Marvel because I just right. watched the show. So all the ones I know are ones that have appeared in the show. Yeah. Nice. It's a great show. Yeah, it's really good. 
So in this episode, Peter loses his powers and the crime cartel is losing respect for the kingpin. And this version of the kingpin is like, this is my kingpin. Oh, yeah. This for is sure. the one that I love. Yeah. The uh, the one they did in Into the Spider-Verse was also excellent, but it oh, was yeah. based on this one. It's just, just a kind brick of like, house. Yeah. yeah. It just, it just, they added to it. But uh, the kingpin wants to show the crime cartel that he's the boss and he wants to show them what he's made of by killing Spider-Man. So he sets a plan in motion to release Spider-Man's most deadly enemies from prison. And breaking out of the slammer are the Chameleon, Shocker, the Scorpion, Mysterio, the Rhino, and Dr. Octopus. Oh, shit. Oh, shit, man. Peter's fucked. Peter's fucked, yeah. What's he going to do? He's losing his powers and he's going to fight these guys? Exactly. That's what I love about this episode. You had a season one where he fought these people individually. And to kick off season two... They all get let out of prison at the same time, and they're all six of them going to go after Peter. Yeah. And I just thought that that was such a amazing setup for a season, because another thing that this show does is it actually, like, keeps its storylines through the whole season. This the, yeah. the seasons have, like, a sort of title of what the season is called. Correct. And yeah. then they have a, a episode name. So it's like, yeah. it's because there's a thread going through the entire yeah. season. So I love that we start season two with, okay, all these six villains are being let out. These are the ones you've seen in the in the first season. Uh, how is he going to deal with all of them at once? Yeah. And this is, um, like, this is the season where the X-Men come in. Because yeah. Peter's losing his powers. He actually goes to Dr. Connors in this episode for some assistance. And Dr. Connors thinks that there's, like, something genetically happening to him. Yeah. And that he might indefinitely indefinitely lose his powers. Yeah. So, yeah. I thought it was cool that they brought in Dr. Connors. They also have Morbius in this episode. Yes. He's like a, uh, is like a high school uh, student as well. This Russian guy. Yeah. So Very I creepy. So he's on screen. He's wearing this trench coat. He's talking with this accent. And I just, uh, I was watching it with my wife and I said, who do you think that uh, he becomes? And she said, I don't know, a vampire. Oh, <laughs> I was yeah, like, well, totally. you got it. <laughs> well, yeah, he sounds like a vampire. He, he looks like, like a vampire. vampire. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, just the way that all the characters look, I think is, is pretty yeah. perfect for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally. pretty just, I'm pretty much in love with all their costumes and the way that they look. That's, it's what I remember from the comics. Yeah. So. Yeah. The, it looks so great. You said that's, the kingpin for you this is like the spider-man for me when i read comics i hear this guy's voice like this is what i read comics in for spider-man nice so they use the chameleon here to make it look like spider-man is the one leading the team of villains which catches spidey's attention and he goes after them and probably my most favorite thing in this episode is that as you can imagine when you get a bunch of bad guys together, they have a bit of trouble getting along with each other. Yeah, it's great. I really love that dynamic. And yeah. it was just, it was a lot of fun. Just they're arguing with each other. They each want to be the one to capture Spider-Man. So, you know, in the process of fighting him, they start fighting each other. Yeah. And, you know, they all want to be the bad. It's, it's, it's great. They don't even want to team up because they all have these plans to catch Spider-Man. And it's like, but all their plans only require one person. Like it right. only requires themselves. Right. They don't know how to they adapt how to work the plan as a team. <laughs> to six people, even though they would be so powerful yeah, they together. Can't they can't do it because they are such single-minded, like selfish people that only want to take down Spider-Man by themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So like 
basically that's the episode. Like there's not a whole lot that goes on. No. Yeah. Like you've got, it's just set in got, the table. It is a set in the table. There's multiple parts to it, but um, basically Spider-Man has to go after these six with no powers. And just when you think it's over, it is. Yeah. <laughs> the episode just kind of ends. It so. does. It does. It's like, it's like building up and building up and I'm just getting into it. And then yeah. credits roll. And I'm like, oh yeah, I guess it's only 20 minute show. And this is just, yeah. it's just strange that there's a cartoon from the nineties that like, you kind of have to binge watch, you know, it's like you right. kind of have to watch a bunch in a row because that's how you're going to resolve the story. Um, actually, I remember uh, when I was maybe 10 or 11, um, YTV, which was the the station we would watch for kids shows, had this week in the summer where you could call in and vote for a show. They would put two shows. Oh, yeah, up, I remember that. Two shows up against each other. You could call in and vote and they would play seven episodes in a row right. of that show. Nice. And Spider-Man was one of them. I called in and I voted for Spider-Man and it won. And that was, I can just remember that day being like, there's going to be seven episodes in a row. I cannot wait. And it fits with that type of show because it actually connects. They're going to play seven in a row. They're not going to play random seven episodes. And it's going to be a storyline. It's like going to sit down and you're going to watch like a three hour movie, basically, just watching these seven episodes. I remember that was just such a great day for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that would be a lot of fun as a kid. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. You're probably looking forward to that. Totally. Like I, I don't even remember other shows. I know I voted on every one of every one of those days. I don't remember what the other ones are. I just remember when Spider-Man won, that was going to be the best day. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, that's it. We did it. Uh, I'm, I'm exhausted. You're exhausted. Movies, comics, video <laughs> games, and more I'm all exa- at once. I'm exhausted from wow. taking in all that content. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was so much fun though. Oh, it was great. I love it. I definitely want to do that again. That was so much fun. Um, yeah, if if you want to uh, support the show, everybody, uh, you can check out our page at buymeacoffee.com slash talking back. You can uh, help support us that way. It's going to help our podcast uh, keep rolling and get better. And um, Dean, thank you for joining on this super fun episode. Thank you, Tim, for opening that door that I ran into when I was seven or eight years old. You're welcome. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web, any size, catches seeds, just like flies. Look out, here comes the Spider-Man. Is he strong? Listen, bud. He's got radioactive blood. Can he swing from a thread? Take a look overhead. Hey there, there goes a Spider-Man. In the chill of night, at the scene of a crime, like a streak of light. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, 
to slang, food, and fashion, you're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. That's it for another episode. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to drop us a line, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as TalkBackPod, or by email at TalkBackPod at gmail.com. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews will help more people find Talking Back. All right, that's it. We're done.